We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming at you Tuesday evening. It's May 9th. Kyle and I recorded part one of our Wolves offseason mailbag this morning. And we're now back to dig into part two. Uh, this one will include questions on Nas Reed's future. Uh, Anthony Edwards, kind of how he can fit into this roster construction with the two bigs. Some Chris Finch questions we got. Uh, Mike Conley in the future of the point guard position, some Nikhil Alexander-Walker stuff. If you're looking for a topic that I didn't just list there, we probably hit on it. Uh, In part one of this, we had mailbag questions in part one on Tim Conley and kind of leaving it open-ended on whether or not he's going to be back uh, as the Wolves president of basketball operations, which kind of trickles into all sorts of off-season questions and topics we, we dug into we kind of laid out the financial picture for the Wolves and their salary cap situation, uh, you know, entering this season, which we won't dive into again here, but we are going to talk about like Nas and stuff. So I would recommend going back to listen uh, to that to that part first before, particularly with the, the Nas and any sort of free agent stuff. Um, yeah, we also had some trade and free agency questions in there, general two bigs sort of things. Kyle in this, I don't know, four hours or whatever it's been since we recorded part one. Um, Jaden McDaniels did not make an all-defensive team that was uh, announced this afternoon. I think kind of preemptively somebody asked a question uh, about this. What what they asked this was from Worm 5 <laughs> they, they said, all-defensive teams are announced tomorrow. If Jaden makes a team, how much more do you think he will make on his extension? Maybe we can talk about the the opposite side of that now that he's out. But first, I just want uh, to get your thoughts on Jaden not making it. Just looking at Twitter quickly, seemed like a lot of the Wolves fan base is, you know, very up in arms uh, on this topic. Sometimes, you know, we all, all fan bases do this. We get up in arms uh, on things that are maybe not super justified to get up in arms with. But this one seems like the Wolves, Wolves fans have at least a somewhat legitimate gripe. There's some details and nuance to dig into there, but I'll just send it to you. Thoughts on Jaden McDaniels not making an all-defensive team this season. One half of my brain is shocked, legitimately shocked, because I honestly thought, well, it's not even a thought. He he is one of the 10 best defenders in the league. That was the cool part of his year three journey. 
as much as we talked about Ant all season and the leap that he made and being a, fan, a franchise player, a foundational piece, Jaden McDaniels did all of that just on the other side. And he did the less glamorous stuff, you know, other than literally pulling himself out of availability to play by punching a wall. He played in all the games. And that's another part of this young dynamic duo that keeps me excited, keeps me optimistic, is that not only do you have two really young, talented players, one is dominant on offense, one is dominant on defense, but they both play. They play the games, right? Mm. It's not, this isn't a Zion Williamson thing. Um, was I shocked they didn't make it? Yes. Uh, was I as upset as like when Ant didn't originally make an all-star team? No, because the Ant stuff to me had more financial incentives, like direct financial incentives. I mean, clearly, it'd be great for Jane to have an all-defensive team on his resume, but uh, as you tend to do, you know, in our friendship, like I'm hot-headed and I'm pissed off, and then you outline some of the reasons why it, it actually kind of doesn't make sense. And under the current situation where they have positions tied to this stuff and it's not positionless, and or Jaden had really no chance to make it because the guys that you're about to list, other than maybe OG Ananobi, were just guys that were just have more eyeballs on them. We're going to get more votes in general from the media members that don't watch all these teams like as closely as we do. So, because who are the guys that you tweeted out that were like, listed as forwards above Jaden that made it almost impossible for Jaden to get it. Yeah. Well, I, I think we did like a, a couple months ago. I, I think it was with you. I thought yep. it was that Nikias Duncan tweeted out a, a couple months ago that the, the list of players that are only that you can only vote for at forward. And when I saw that list, then I tweeted about it. We talked about it on the show. I was like, Jaden's not going to make it. I, Cause I didn't know that, that's exactly how it worked, and I didn't know those were the people he was going up against. Only four forwards, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but I just kind of knew whatever the Minnesota tax, the they're probably gonna give a big uh, that has you know crazy rim protection numbers, a nod over him, whatever. I kind of knew he wouldn't because these are the guys he's competing against. I mean, there's four only four players can make an all defensive team, and Jaden got the sixth most votes. Jaron Jackson Jr got the most, Evan Mobley, Draymond Green, OG Ananobi. So I would say, I would say almost none of those guys play the same position as Jade McDaniels, uh, which is like, they don't. I mean, OG kind of like guards the ball, but the other three guys don't. The rim protectors, Draymond's a, you know, he's a coverage wizard. Uh, and then, and then after that, like Giannis also didn't make it because he's only eligible uh, at at forward, Jaden was sixth. Anthony Davis, who has clearly been the best player, defensive player um, in the playoffs, actually got fewer votes than Jaden did too. So it was just kind of like an impossible task, I think, to get all defensive team under these constraints. I would also disagree with the idea of anybody who would say he wasn't a top ten defensive player this year, or you could certainly make a strong argument for that. Uh, but yeah, if you're competing against only those players, it's pretty tough to land uh, in the top four. Dylan Brooks, I, I think that's the one that sticks out on there where you go, all right, I'm pretty sure Jade McDaniels is a better defender than him. Even though, you know, Dylan Brooks, is, his Q score is struggling right now. <laughs> He's actually a pretty good de defensive player, but not as good as Jaden. But for some reason, Dylan Brooks even though he starts next to John Morant and Desmond Bain, was eligible at guard. Jaden was eligible at forward. I mean, it doesn't make sense. This is stupid. It's like, uh, 
I don't know. It's like in fantasy football when you still have to start a tight end and like tight end <laughs> position doesn't really exist. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's just a stupid system that we have set up, which I think tying into the question, Kyle is like, this is going to have no bearing on it, nor would have it the other way. Precisely. Like it, we've done this thing where we associate awards to money because some awards literally do trigger money in that if you make an all NBA team, you could, you're literally elevated into a different tax bracket. We'll talk about that with Ant in a little bit. If he makes all NBA next year, that really changes how much money he can make on his next deal. We do defensive player of the year, MVP. There's these things that it unlocks, right? All defensive team doesn't do anything in terms of what it allows you to be able to make. The only thing would be, Oh, well he's got, he made all defensive team. I'm his agent. And now he needs 4 million more dollars. I, that stuff isn't real. Uh, that's not how it goes, and it wouldn't have gone if Jade had made it. It wouldn't. That wouldn't have happened. Um, so, I think this has no real bearing on the negotiations. Certainly not in a significant way uh, for for this summer, as Jaden and his agent are negotiating with the Wolves front office uh, a contract extension. Uh, just it kind of. I'm at the same point I was before. Probably talking around twenty to twenty-five million is the number I'm thinking about, and the new thing in the CBA is that Jaden can be offered a five-year contract, whereas in previous seasons it would have been uh, four. So I'm still kind of at at that same point with all of it. To answer the question, I don't think this impacts uh, his contract negotiations. Was I guess is a kind of double gut punch to. Wolves fans were like, well, the good news is it's going to be $2 million less a year. Uh, I don't think we'll see that play out that way. No, just a flurry of thoughts that come to my brain. You mentioned the CBA. I think our friend Chris Hine tweeted this out, and it was a smart thing. But starting with this new CBA, we keep talking about this new CBA. I think they actually are going positionless, Mm -hmm. these all defensive teams. So moving forward, it really will be. He'll probably make it. Yeah, yeah, the top 10 defensive guys. And again, the Ant one why I said that is because that was contractually, even though it was like a shoe deal, like affected his pockets. Like, I don't think this is going to affect Jaden's pockets one way or the other. As you just said, it won't. Um, he's going to make future all defensive teams. It's just more of like, you're not even mad. You're like disappointed, <laughs> right? Because that guy, again, does the non-glamorous stuff. He, he plays defense. That's just not fun it's not that's not what you think about when you go to la fitness on a saturday you're just like i'm trying to get buckets so it was cool too because 15 20 minutes as as the social media correspondent for this podcast uh after they were announced the all defensive teams Jaden mcdaniels was like the top two trending thing on twitter and it wasn't any of the guys that made it right it was like i mean big time media people and accounts like nba university i really like following them like they all were like i cannot believe that this man didn't make it so when you parse through why he didn't make it and, and the way it's set up with positions it it everything dane said makes sense everything i said makes kind of sense like it's disappointing he's going to make future ones but in terms of building this roster out today meant nothing it, it's not going to affect the the books that we talked about in, in part one one more note um Jaden punches the wall on april 9th and Again, just briefly, what I was scrolling through, people were like, well, immaturity, if you wouldn't have done that, then he would have made it. That changed the voters' mind. And to parse why that 
isn't true. Um, the votes were due at midnight. So for somebody to have changed their mind and had Jade McDaniels on their all-defensive team, and then they see on Twitter that he punched a wall, and then they go, whoa, 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 I need to actually take him off my defensive team here in this two-hour window <laughs> because he's immature. Yeah, That wasn't a factor either, or those are the parameters in which it would have been a... A uh, tinfoil hat Twitter is going to be upset with you on that one for actually breaking it down and saying that's not how it happened. So, uh, no, it's a bummer. Jay McDaniels. Totally, yeah. Uh, um, but he is, as Tim Conley said at Exit Interviews, the first possible day that they can... What did he say? Put an offer in his inbox? I don't know if yeah. Jade McDaniels at gmail.com or whatever, but he's going to get paid really, really well, regardless of if he punched a wall or if he didn't make one of these all defensive teams. So uh, I, I would have had him over Draymond. That's the one. I think a lot of people are saying OG and, you know, that's name just for me and like the whatever the X amount of games I watch of other teams. I actually think OG's pretty deserving and I don't think particularly in focused on the regular season from what I saw. And if I had a vote, that's where that's the one of the guys who made it. I would have been more inclined to put him over. I'll just say that I would have had Jade McDaniels uh, on my team, but those are the, those are the parameters. Uh, and maybe I would add Giannis over Jade in there too. But of those four, I think, I think Jaden deserved it over Draymond. That's, that's my opinion. And- and game, by the way, that availability thing, playing all these games, is actually going to start mattering under yeah, this new true. CBA because Jaron Jackson Jr. was the defensive player of the year. And under the new CBA moving forward, he wouldn't have even qualified because he yep. didn't play enough games. So, mm-hmm. a bummer for Jaden. Uh, I saw, I mean, you know, you messed up the vote when like Mike Conley is tweeting about it and he was uh, upset <laughs> for Jaden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, so, Jaden McDaniel, like, <laughs> like his 2020 draft uh, compadre, will be paid very well this summer. Uh, Balmaro. You want to transition? You want to transition into another guy who is going to get paid? Yes, yes. Let's, uh, let's um, start with Nazi. Uh, so this question comes actually from our friend uh, Michael Hagen, who actually just recently hung up the keyboard at Canis Hoopas. He was a big. I got to use this as an opportunity to give Mike a shout out. He was a big yeah, reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now. Uh, a glue guy behind the scenes at Canis Hoopas all these years. The site is flourishing uh, now with Jack, but shout out to Mike because he's been blogging like you and I started uh, for many years, and I just. He's become a really cool friend. So yeah, can I say something, Mike? Too, I I I love Mike as a guy, and I I love that Mike was always, and I I tweeted this too, but I just love that Mike was like in it because he loved basketball. He as clearly indicated by like leaving to focus on other professional things in his life. Like he didn't view this in in the way I did. Right? Like I would, I half of my reason was you know wanting to make it like a career for, for me. And sometimes that stuff, like what it's actually personally and professionally, like it's a, it's a different sort of motivation. And, and I think Mike's motivation was always like way more pure than mine, where it was just like, I love hoops. I love the Timberwolves. I've read Canis forever. Uh, I'd be really cool if some people read my thoughts over at Canis where obviously tens of thousands of people do, uh, Respect for that. I, uh, he, he, yeah. This is kind of behind the scenes, but he didn't even like when I'd like tag him in the tweets that came out when the article would come out because he just, he really just wanted to write about basketball and talk about hoops. Yep. He's a hoops junkie. So again, shout out to Mike because people that know, know that even Dane too, like Dane and I kind of are where we are, large part because Mike has been a supportive 
figure behind the scenes. But uh, Mike had a really good question. That's uh, pretty detailed. It is a uh, Nas Reed question mark. <laughs> so do you want to just, <laughs> or do you want to take that? Do you want to start with, um, why, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we clear this up? Cause I've seen some weird stuff. Just give me like the salary cap breakdown you did for the team. Give me what Nas is like eligible for. Like, cause he is an unrestricted free agent this summer. Yeah. So what, how, how wide could this get? How large could this contract potentially get? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's completely unrestricted. So there is, there is no parameters on what the wolves could offer him. It's not like one of those, like, Oh, 120% raise type okay. of thing that you think of sometimes. Uh, I'm really looking at it with Nas, the super simplistic ways. I think he's right around that mid-level number, which for this season is like 12 and a half. Uh, million starting salary. So you're talking about like with raises like 454, I think is the max uh, a team with the mid-level could offer him, which is going to be like more than half the league. That will be the entirety of the spending power that they could offer Nas Reed. So if you are the Timberwolves or if you were another team, the way in which you eliminate other suitors is to go above that number. That would go a long way mm -hmm. uh, in doing that. Now, you know, open question. Obviously, Nas's slider of what we think his value as is, or to the public perception of it, has has jumped around. Right? Like, I remember even back at um, the trade deadline when people there was Nas trade talk or reporting on contract extension stuff. I remember the number being. I think it was Jake Fisher reported nine or ten million is what they were they were looking for, and they were deliberating over that, which again would be. Under the mid-level. But I think if you're the Timberwolves, you financially position yourself in a way to get Nas Reed by going over the mid-level number, which again, starting salary uh, is 12.5. I know Jace wrote an article this week, Jace Frederick from Pioneer Press, about, you know, what if you went over that number but only for two years, like two years, 30 million, um, you know, does that kind of hit that strike zone of, pricing some teams out without committing you super long-term. I mean, it's a complicated thing, right? This whole, it's not, again, through a Wolves lens, it's not just about what Nas, like what Nas is quote-unquote worth. It's what he's worth within the context of your roster, which has two other centers on it. And we also know that Nas at times really helped that double center look and allowed them to stay big all the time too. So you can, again, you can slide that different sort of directions, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, another question was how imperative do you see signing Nas to be from purely a cap roster standpoint? And honestly, and, and I think everybody who listens to this knows I'm a very big Nas Reed believer, but I don't think it's imperative that you re-sign Nas Reed there because when you factor in all the other financial realities and if you are in fact committed to Cat and Rudy long-term, then, I mean, what's Rudy going to make? What is it? Two years from now, uh, Rudy is going like to be GDP making... GDP of Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy's going to be making 44 and Cat's going to be making 50. So if you got Nas at like 12 and a half, then, I mean, it's over $100 million to centers, right? Like... We are smart enough to be like, we really like Nas. We think he's going to be a really good player in this league. Maybe he's even worth more than 12 and a half. Maybe that also doesn't make sense in the construction of this roster. So that's kind of where we're at.
part two of this mailbag is going to be way more fun, partly because I'm just caffeinated. But part one was really focused on Tim Connolly and the two bigs and running it back. I'm not really pushing back, but I would actually argue as we do consume more and understand this new CBA, which again might bore some people, but it's literally like the constitution of the league and how things work. So you kind of need to know it. Uh, I would argue that it's actually pretty imperative only from a standpoint of, you just said that you're going to have these two guys that are aging out and maybe falling out of their Mm -hmm. prime in Carl and Rudy, or, you know, in it, in their prime and slowly coming out that are making damn near a hundred million dollars combined. Yeah. Uh, and if it is to like a Bobby Marks or a Woj that it's going to be harder and harder to have that third star, then you want a center who's, you know, not not all development and player growth is is linear. But if you even took where Nas was when he came from LSU to where he is today and he even just slowed that curve down. I mean, that's just an NBA starting center, a guy that you see playing, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of like a. a He's not Draymond Green by any means, especially on the defensive end, but can he understands the offense from his time in Iowa probably better than anyone other than Finch, <laughs> right? So I think it's I, – I hope he sticks around. I did want to ask you this too, like kind of like that Pat Bev situation. What was it, maybe a year ago or two years ago when he just signed an extension in the season, right, like a one-year deal contract? Yep. Can the Wolves sign Nas like tomorrow? Yes. Be okay, because that – that mm-hmm. that's what going back to the exit interviews and stuff like when they said the first day we can talk to Jane and Ant, that's not now that that's a summer. Yep. They're not technically allowed to negotiate that stuff. But with yeah, Nas, like I mean, July we could wake up one day or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have your, and that's uh, a big deal that it sounds like every time you do hear Tim Connolly speak, that it's something they're greasing the wheels every day behind the scenes, you know, again, back to social media, but Ant and Nas were hanging out at F1 in Miami this past week. And like, Nas clearly enjoys Minnesota, Minneapolis, his time here, his teammates. So I think they have an advantage. But back to your point, like he has been paid next to nothing. And that's something we gloss over. That man had a Gupta special contract. $6.1 million total in four years. Which again, that's a lot of money for podcasting. But when it comes (laughs) to playing basketball and falling down all the time, he really truly was making the bare minimum you could make. Yes. Um, The the one... The one last thing on on that, like to the imperative and, you know, how do we even define that? Like, I don't, what I was trying to say is I don't think it's like unilaterally, if that's the right word, imperative, like you have to have to, like we can, what I'm saying is you can make legitimate arguments to not bring him back. There, yes. That, that, yes. That's what I, just to clarify, that's what I meant. I, if you are going to bring Nas back, you need to be open to within a year before the salaries of Ant, Jaden, and Cat all spike, be open to the idea of trading a big, including Nas in that. Cat, mm-hmm. Rudy, or Nas, 12 months from now, because at that point, having $110 million of center on your team will not make sense. And, and that is where, and that's part of the Nas argument, is like, well, if we sign him for 12-5, can you move him in a year? Is that a negative contract? And being as he's 23 years old, I would say no. I would say it's a, you know, he could get hurt or whatever could happen. But I think if you are able to get him at a decent number, it's not crazy to think that with more growth, he could, if you are really pinched in a year, um, be moved again, because that's when the financial constraints 
uh, really tighten in. I have there's one more Nas question. I want to grab a break quick, but I the one Nas the other Nas question here was fun. So let's uh, I had a really hard time with it. So we'll take a quick break. Back with Kyle, we'll do Nas and get into some ant questions as well. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore, and the people at Land and Lore wanted me to tell you that they get tired, super tired. Tired of always looking like, but life hits hard. They're dads with kids that don't sleep and with wives that are constantly mad at them for things they didn't realize they did. Plus, maybe they stayed up all night rewatching last year's playing game versus the Clippers because it's thus far the highlight of their adult lives. But what's worse than feeling like is looking like it because when you look like everyone can see it and no matter how much coffee or Celsius they inhale, they still walk into work looking like cave dwellers. That's why Land and Lore, they created the energy drink for your face. So no matter how you feel, you don't have to look like it. What's even better because they love the Timberwolves is they're giving fans 20% off the brand. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Land and Lore face products and use promo code 20 Antman to get 20% off. Land and Lore, proven to help you look awake no matter how long of a bender you've been on. Today's show is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. I've been telling you all season about Hyacinth with their amazing food and warm, inviting atmosphere. And with the sun starting to come out, this is the perfect time to check out Hyacinth. Hyacinth does partner with local farms and their chefs visit the Metro Farmers Markets four times a week as these markets open back up. So you know that no matter when you are eating at Hyacinth, you are having the freshest and most vibrant food Minnesota has to offer. St. Paul does have the reputation for being the sleepier of the two Twin Cities. And just like the Wolves are trying to change the narrative around their organization, Hyacinth wants your help to change the narrative about St. Paul. Hyacinth is also offering a $10 gift card for every reservation made after 8 p.m. So to receive your gift card, make a reservation on their website at hyacinthstpaul.com and you will receive the gift card on arrival. Limit one gift card per party and you must follow through with your reservation. So no show, no gift card. And then finally, Hyacinth is happy to announce the return of their sidewalk patio beginning Tuesday, May 16th. What started as a pandemic pivot has become a tradition at the restaurant. Reservations specifically for outdoor dining can also be made at their website, which is again, hyacinthstpaul.com. That's three more reasons to try out Hyacinth in St. Paul, a restaurant that has become a favorite of mine in the Twin Cities. All right, we're back with Kyle Tige. Kyle, do you know the question I'm, I'm talking about here from uh, Alec Downing here in the, the Google Doc? You want to read it? Yeah, I skipped it just because I didn't have an answer, but I'll read it. It's, it's hard. I, I want to just do it. It's a good question. It. So other people can like think about this too. I came up with some weird ass names. Uh, yes. Shout out to Alex Downing, who is the no doubt starter level player that is most similar to Nas in the league. Maybe less glaring weaknesses, defense, rebounding. Is this player a small five or a big four? Got to think that player is a perfect fit next to Ant and Jaden. Yeah. So Hit I kind me. of ignored the last part of it from a, like a, the idea I guess there is like, okay, if you lose Nas, like who could you replace him with? Um, but it, it's hard to think of like who are players in the league right now that play most similar to Nas Reed. He is unique in and of like the position. <laughs> what position does he play? Is he a small five? Is he a big four? How many bigs like that really have like off the bounce game? Um, while also having like some weird rebounding issues, but also pretty good at block, like pretty good rim protector. Um, it, it's hard. Like, honestly, like pause the podcast, try it, like go to the list of setters or power forwards of the league somewhere and try and come up with them. 
the first one that I, what I've always thought of, and I don't know if this is a for sure level starter player, but it was a starting point for me. I've always thought of Christian Wood and Nas Reed as kind. Of, they they both had weird kind of arcs in the league. Christian's Christian Woods was because I think he struggled with maturity early on in his career, kind of figured it out uh, over time, ended up getting paid kind of around uh, when Nas paid, but I think ultimately proved to not be a surefire starting caliber player, but has that ability to stretch the floor, has some ability uh, to to defend the rim, but overall a poor defender, a poor rebounder, um, but, a, a, but a really strong offensive weapon. Then you start going through it, and it's like, I don't know, surefire starter caliber player. It sounds weird to start like listing these type of guys off, but I was like, Julius Randle? Oh, thank you. That was my first answer. <laughs> okay. I was just looking at the – I was trying to get a list of the teams. I know all the players on the teams, but I was like, better body language Julius Randle? Yeah, Doesn't but like, like not step back, but like more north south physical. I mean, he's a, Julius Randle's a lot bigger than Nas. Like, if you see those two next yeah. to each other, um, but that was like kind of high level, like a really high level player. Pascal Siakam, I also put down there. Again, this is like, this is why it's so hard. And we're saying like peak, peak Nas, right? Uh, but that one doesn't really work either. You know, the one I came to that I think this is the best answer Chet Holmgren. Oh, I had Patrick Ewing, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> I just like, right, like Chet. Yeah, no. And we've never seen a play at the NBA, but like in theory, right, kind of has that big four body type, mm-hmm. really good rim protector, but overall is going to struggle with some defensive things, can shoot the ball, but it's really, it's this like, it's this younger version of bigs that are coming up into the NBA now who grew up with the ball in their hands have handle and can do that. And like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I needed to spend more time on this exercise and there, there's more of the, t- I like wrote down Orlando, Aaron Gordon at one point. I'm like, none of these, these aren't good. Like, um, I, Chet Holmgren was the Shark, best. Derek Williams or what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was, it was no. just a good fun. I don't know. Sort of question. I don't know if we answered it in the way that Alec wanted I, it answered I, but i go yeah. back to I, I don't know if you said his age but i want to confirm it. he's 23 right now Nas is and to me because i'm i i don't want to completely be one of those people that just worries about being the youngest team in the league right because those teams usually lose or aren't very successful but i also believe i've said this now multiple times like it can't just be ant and Jaden. like you need that yeah. third young kind of running mate mm-hmm. and my dad kind of worded it to me like this but you know the Wolves invested more resources into Rudy Gobert, but they've invested more time into Nas Reed. Yeah. And just like the Carlton Town stuff, like, you know, I, I'm I think I'm a little more pro Rudy than most, but if you deem that anything you've done in the past was a mistake, like the Rudy Gobert trade, don't compound those mistakes by mm-hmm. just cutting ties with a Carl or letting a Nas Reed go because he's been an inc- incredible developmental story. And even his deficiencies are also just why he would not cost you $45 million, right? Like, it's okay to play guys. Look at the playoffs right now. You just play guys that give something up, but they also are really good at, you know, two, three, and four. So I'm very hopeful that they can kind of come to a deal again. I I think he, the Wolves have leverage, maybe not as much financially as we think as we look five years down the road with the salary cap, but just he seems to like it here. His teammates love him. And he is a really, you know, there's that one week, right? The West Coast road trip where it's like, 
he kind of unlocked yeah. everything. And it would be, in my mind, imperative to keep him. Uh, you want to transition to Ant? Yep, let's do it. Uh, there's a lot of good Ant questions here. Let's start, So we kind of hit on this, but from at uh, Jake Byer, uh, seven on Twitter, Ant making strides off ball both ways or figuring out the two centers on the on the court model. Like what, what's kind of a bigger thing for him to work on this year? Is it becoming a more well-rounded two-way guy, which obviously emphasizes the defense? Or is it even leaning into more of just becoming an even bigger offensive threat? And to me, that would be like, setting up his teammates more trusting that hockey assist trusting that extra pass knowing how to I mean he's get, he's a 21 year old kid man that the best defenses in the league double him right. in the biggest moments and you can't just break a double you know even Devin Booker has to pass it to Cameron Payne so what what do you think his biggest offseason thing is that he needs to work on yeah well it the question I didn't know if it was in if it's in the context of for next season then the answer is obviously figuring out the two centers, right? How, figuring out how to fit in better to the two centers model. But if I could just like magical pixie dust one thing for Ant for the rest of his career to make a massive stride in, and I could choose between him making significant strides as a two-way player understanding particularly off-ball defense or figuring out how to play with two centers. I mean... He's 21. He's going to be in the league for, I don't know, 15 plus more years. A probably more valuable skill set for him is going to be playing off ball. He might only, I, I mean, say it like it is, he's probably not going to play that many seasons of his career with two centers, right? Like, I mean, I hope, I hope so. I mean, it like it, and maybe it even is the next four, right? You know, in the, best case scenario like this all works out and it's cat and rudy and ant all together like in whatever that next entering his prime chapter of his career is is probably not in a roster that looks like this and so to that end my answer was i still think ant has like a lot of these questions are like things that ant could work on and it's like man i could list like kind of make like lists of a lot of things where it's like here's some real areas for growing efficiency and I, that kind of sound seems, I was like, hey, am I nitpicking? And I'm like, no, what I think we're doing no. when we nitpick Ant is being like, look at how attainable the ceiling is or how high the ceiling is. There is so much Ant could do to improve his awareness as a defender. And he already got, like, he basically had as many all defensive team votes as Jaden did uh, today, uh, uh, the, the ballot, you know, like, and, and he could grow so much as a defender. And he can grow so much as a pick and roll player in this league. So it's like, I don't know. I really, whenever I find myself, quote unquote, nitpicking Ant, I'm like, man, it just kind of gets me to elevate in my mind what the kid's, uh, what the kid's ceiling is. So that was my answer to, to that question. I, I was trying to find this online. I thought I saw somewhere too that like he might have, he lead guards this season is like in steals and blocks combined, which again, that's not a be all end all of a sign of a good defender. But it is just, I mean, you got to be active to do some of that stuff, right? So, the yeah, transition I think defensive block stuff was absolutely he's, insane. He's the, the heir to the LeBron throne on a chase down block. I mean, I don't know as many guys if, you know, again, if Zion ever plays again, he's up there too. But uh, yeah, then there's just a lot of like 
fit things. I think we kind of already talked about that. Larry Leftist said, why don't they use Ant in the pick and roll game with Gobert and Cat? Seems like Conley is the only one doing that. And then Chris Lupos also said, uh, why don't we see any Cat and Ant two-man game? Couldn't that be the foundation of an elite offense? He was thinking back to when Ant and Carl had, you know, what combined 83 points, I think, in in Phoenix that one day. Uh, so, again, just throwing it to your, your basketball brain. Any thoughts on on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's it's two parts. Uh, clearly, um, Chris Finch isn't a high-volume pick-and-roll coach. That's not his preference. I looked it up uh, before this. The Wolves were 24th in frequency of pick-and-roll plays that led to a, uh, the ball handler shot this year or direct pick-and-rolls, which are pick-and-rolls that the ball handler kicked it to somebody else and they shot or lobbed it to somebody else and they shot. Super low pick-and-roll volume team, sixth lowest. Yet, in terms of effectiveness, they were 11th and 12th, I think, in, in those two things. So they're like a well above average in terms of efficiency in the pick-and-roll. And when you have that sort of discrepancy – to me, that indicates the coach's lack of desire to really lean into that action for one reason or another. And I think everybody who watched this team for 82 games a season saw Finch's reticence to be able to do that. And I think the ultimate question is, why does Finch have that reticence to do it? Part of it is, obviously, it's not his personal preference, right, of, of style of play offensively. He maybe got burned out by James Harden in Houston and watching that forever of just like over and over and over again, but it's not, it's not Finch's cup of tea over and over again, pick and roll. It's also his best player is not good at it right now. The wolves in terms of their efficiency as a team in pick and roll was better than ants individual numbers in pick and roll in terms of when Ant takes a shot or when Ant, those direct pick and rolls where Ant kicks to somebody else. It was better when it wasn't Ant running it. So if you're Chris Finch and you're like, well, the guy we want to have the ball in his hands as much as possible is Ant, and that isn't right now one of his strengths, that makes some sense to skew away from it. I was more, you know, dumbfounded, I guess would be the word of why they weren't running it more earlier on in the season, because I was like, that's Rudy's bread and butter, right? I think like the case for running more pick and roll is about Rudy, even more so than it is about Ant. And then once Ant gets better at it, I think you will see, Ant individually gets better at it. I think you will see those numbers go up. The cat and Ant one is weird. The lack of that, the like the amount of times during the play in playoffs, where I'm like, we can't do like a pick and pop here everyone's tired like why don't we just do that uh that I think that is just a chemistry uh with Cat coming back and Ant you know Cat was a different player when he returned than he was before as was Ant you know Ant had gone through a pretty big development in that sort of time so I think those are all things that kind of iron themselves out and I think Finch is the type of coach that you know can look at himself in the mirror and be like hey maybe we should have done more of that and maybe we will uh next season so as to the broader, why don't the Wolves and or Ant run as much pick and roll? Those are the reasons uh, I could come to. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, it, it, just in general, it's more the idea that, you know, like when you have a really talented uh, um, overachiever at work or, the, you know, you, I used to say I want to be a sponge in my my old job. Like the reason you when you felt you were nitpicking Ant is because, like you said, he has 
the ability to take on so many things and mm-hmm. so many like his toolbox is just much larger than mm-hmm. other 21 year olds so he can fit more tools in that toolbox so uh let's close out the ant thing um because i thought this question was really good and i i might do like 60 minutes on it um from leland bosch what is preventing anthony edwards from just walking away from minnesota after his rookie oh, yeah. deal expires because if I'm his agent, I'm thinking this franchise will spin its wheels for five plus years. But what are the CBA implications or ramifications of walking away? Do you want to go first? Do you want to, you you can go if you want to go first. I can do the CBA ramifications. You can do the um, leaving part. I think it's a good. I think any question is a good question. There are no <laughs> dumb questions, even in a mailbag. Uh, but I do think, and this isn't a, like at Leland. This is just in general because other people have said this. I think it's a little fear porn. Um, sometimes in general. When we as fans or people covering the team get so caught up in the team we watch and talk about every day that we don't look around the rest of the league and look at what they're dealing with. Um, like I, I'm so tired of people saying, oh, you know, the Wolves would have just done this. The West is wide open. Are we sure the West isn't just always going to be wide open? Like how many, how many star players, how many members of the all-star team are north of 30? You know what I mean? Like just think them off the top of your head. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Damian Lord, like all these guys, LeBron James, right? Anthony Davis has won like most of the regular season. Like there's so many guys that are going to age out that that those teams have issues, right? Like we don't know what the Clippers are going to do. We don't know what the Blazers are going to do. There's so many teams that have their own laundry list of concerns and roster building issues and all that stuff where I just, I'm not as concerned about the fact that Ant's coming off of back-to-back playoff runs and he's the only guy under i think 25 that has a pseudo star teammate next to him right i mean the the jalen brown jason tatum comps need some work because those ant and jay aren't on that level but it's the only one in the league that makes sense right because i mean who's luca's teammate right who are some of the who's shay's teammate it's chet but he's not playing games yet so i think we get a little concerned also, rookies have just never turned down their extension, so I'm confident he'll sign it. Now, as you and I have talked about already, like that doesn't just mean that Ant's going to be here forever. You do There's that combination from part one of the mailbag where it's like, be patient, let some of this organically grow, but don't assume that he's going to be here when he's 30. Right. So it is a double-edged sword. I just... I think we get too concerned. I don't think we're anywhere near worrying about Ant leaving or Jaden leaving, but you do need to continue to make the right moves, the right transactions, the right hires to keep those guys happy. But that was just my rant. You can talk about the CBA stuff, or you can also just chime in on what you think in general about his yeah. presence. Well, just to the, to the last thing, if he's going to leave ever, it is going to be after he signs this contract. Right. Particularly because he is in a place where if he makes All-NBA next season – he can sign a five-year, $245 million contract. If he tries to flex and weasel his way out, again, to your point, as no one has ever done before, like the last player, like big-name player, quote, big-name player, who's ever done this, of like taking the qualifying offer just to force their way out, was old friend Greg Monroe in Detroit. Like, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't happen Oops. because the the financial implications are just so large plus we have the in the quote-unquote player empowerment era like you take it you take the money and then if 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 you want to leave in time 
you take that money that you already have and have signed the contract and you take it to another team. So it just, it would make so little financial sense for Ant to literally right now not sign it and be like, I'm going to work my way out, take the qualifying offer in two years and become an unrestricted free agent before my sixth season. That just, again, would be completely unprecedented for a player of his caliber and would literally cost him like $100 million. Now, maybe some people will say, and we will get to a point where it's like the money is going to be so stupid, like like Ant is going to make a billion dollars in his career, probably. So yeah. if to sacrifice some money at some point to get to where you want, particularly when you have a really high-powered agency like Clutch, who are kind of disruptors in this space, like if there's ever an agency who would do it, I think it would be Clutch, but the money is just so... It's it's just such a big difference of what the Wolves can offer, particularly if Ant makes All NBA next season. That I think it's a it's kind of a a non conversation about him signing this deal, though. You know, you got to still you know placate to Clutch and be reassuring and you know show up to meetings and and be like, yes, convince them that this is going to be a place to be, um, but. But like, yeah, outside of that, from a CBA standpoint, it's uh, Ant's going to sign a five-year, $205 million extension this summer, which will have a trigger if he makes All-NBA that will pay him five years, $245 million. That That's the number. And to eschew that so as to take the qualifying offer and take a four-year deal with lower raises, you're talking about a massive difference in money. And I think because... As a Timberwolves fan, we have been burned so many times that one of the back to my Spider-Man thing with great power comes great responsibility. Like one of the responsibilities of having the best 21 year old in the world on your team is that as he gets better, anytime there's a slip up, you're just you're going to have to deal with that. Those rumblings, right? Like Joel Embiid just won the MVP. And there's already been rumblings that like if Harden leaves, he's going to demand a trade. Right. And he just won the MVP for the Sixers. Like. So it's just the nature of the league. But I also think, too, as much as we were or I've been critical of Tim Conley and some of the things he said, some of the things he's done, like you have to at least give him credit for at the exit interviews after the season saying something that I think isn't just a word salad. It's everything we do moving forward needs to involve or be thinking about Anthony Edwards. I think that's really. And you can't important. just say it. you got to do it. What are what are the pieces of and, evidence that are those things, you know, it, 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 is that Nas, right? Like, or, right, you know, like right. those, what are those things that, uh, you know, and, that indicate Ant is. And it, listen, it, there can be a lot of things that aren't giving him like uh, input on personnel, right? Yeah. Because if I, I imagine if you just texted Ant today, like, Hey, who do you want on the team? He would say sack Jones. I don't know who the fuck that is. Like <laughs> that's not even a real person, but there's other ways to you said placate him, you know, butter up an agency that is, notoriously for running the you know kind of runs the league behind the scenes just continuously putting him in positions to be in meaningful games something that I've always talked about that like you don't want a lamella ball situation I mean I could see lamella ball of all the players in the world maybe being that guy that turns down the rookie deal because he has money from other ways like and he wants to get out of Charlotte Anthony Edwards is on a good team yes it's a 
interesting roster and an interesting franchise, but they're ascending still in a way that not a lot of guys at 21. I mean, Tim Connolly said himself, usually young development is tied to losing and Ant's been a winning player since he arrived back in 2020. So uh, that closes Ant. What do you want to do next? Let's, uh, let's grab and do a, uh, ad break live partly because I want you to hear this because it's our our friends over uh, at Falling Knife. They're kind of doing their like uh, big outdoor it's spring brewery festival uh, thing this weekend. It's called Open Season uh, 23. It's it's this Saturday, May 13th, 1 to 10 p.m. at Falling Knife Brewing in in Northeast Minneapolis. It's kind of the time of year uh, here in, in Minnesota. If you are trying to, you know, get out, have a brewery day, um, you know, Go check out one of those those block parties. They're gonna have live music there. It's like all '90s cover bands. They got like a Killers cover band, a Weezer cover band, a Blink One Eighty Two cover band, Nirvana cover band. Um, I just think it's gonna be a you know a, a fun way to spend a Saturday. I'm planning on going over there uh, at at some point. And Falling Knife has just been uh, not only awesome to us, to us, but I think to to the Wolves community overall. So I think we'll see some people over there in Wolves gear. And I just wanted to. Uh, plug that in advance of Saturday. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with Kyle. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third party website onto my phone. But with the GameTime app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the GameTime app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there and just snag tickets without stress with the game time app, download the game time app, create an account and use code Dane more for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and use the code Dane more all one word for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is sponsored by Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. It's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code DaneMore for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20,000. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back with Kyle Tige for what is going to have to kind of be more of a rapid fire segment here to get through uh, some of the you know, random different questions. We got some questions on Finch, Mike Conley, Tequila Alexander Walker, miscellaneous stuff. So, Kyle, I'll just kind of let you uh, take the lead. I tried to take notes on most of these, but some of them I might not have really deep thoughts on. But what do you want to get into? There's a couple down towards the bottom of our agenda that I want to get into, but let's let's go to the Chris Finch one. I think we can kind of sum up all the questions into a quick conversation sure. uh, and tied into what you're watching nightly now in the playoffs. Um, but Dennis Ozturk said, do you believe Chris, Chris Finch is the right coach for this particular team? He said, although I believe he's a great one, not sure if it's fit for the team or if he's a fit for the team, which means a coach that holds the reins a bit tighter than he does something you've talked about with a little more structure. Um, do we think the late the Wolves' late game offensive collapses are because of Finch's scheme and play? That was from John Doe, MN on Twitter, and then um, this is MN Sports said Finch has suggested a few times that Cat is wasting is wasted sitting in the corner. If this is one of the best shots in basketball and he's a historically good shooter, isn't Cat in the corner good? Shouldn't four corner threes a game from him be a great outcome? So just in general, I guess yes. First is Finch. Do you think the right guy for this team? It seems by all accounts that he's going to be here. I think you would have pulled that plug already if it wasn't the plan to keep him for next season. And then what do you think, you know, if, if we're talking about, Hey, Ant needs to work on this this summer, Jay needs to work on this. Like what does Finch need to work on? Because I have some thoughts in mind on, on that as well, but what is your overall Finch take? Yeah, I, I think it's, I I'm more folk. I think the bigger Finch question of quote unquote, is he the right guy is, is in this situation so more about how you want to play and what the best ways are to play with the group that you have as currently con constituted, right? Like we are literally 12 months removed from thinking Chris Finch might be literally the best coach in, right. in, in Timberwolves history. Um, he wasn't a good, his scheme this season, I think it's fair to say wasn't a good, fit with this roster, which was a complicated process with two centers, which, you know, he didn't make that trade and all that. I mean, he was given a, he was given a tough hand. Uh, did he maximize it? I, I would, I would say no. I, I still have a belief that he is a smart enough of a coach to be able to put together enough structure. He's acknowledged it needs more structure. Um, I think some people's perspective on like you need somebody that can hold the reins a little bit tighter and and do some of that stuff like, I don't know that part's always hard for me like I always think that's more the player's fault than it is the coach and I, I don't know I don't know how much a, a coach really being a hard ass is is going to to change that stuff so the question I have with Finch is like can you put together a system and a structure that is effective for the roster 
as currently constructed. He's going to need to prove that next year, like straight up, or he will be fired. And I think he can. So as of right now, because I have a belief in that, I, I would think he would be. If he can't, then yes, time is of the essence with Ant and with Rudy and Cat and everything. Like you got to figure it out. The late game offense stuff, I would put in on the players as well. And to kind of tie back into the Ant stuff, like I think the late game offense needed more structure, but I think it needed more basketball IQ from Ant, which I think he will develop. I think that was the mm-hmm. biggest variable in that. Carl also hasn't historically been great in, in those settings. It's kind of tough for a big to be great in, in those type of settings. Um, but I think that one, I don't know, I'm trying not to de- deflect all the blame off of Minch in that way because I think he's part was part of the problem in, in some of the structure in the late game offense stuff. But to me, it always strikes me as more about the players and the decision-making that they make within whatever uh, structure is there. So I'll, before we get to the corner three thing, I'll let you tap in on no, that. My, my thing when it comes to Finch is that I just felt, now that I've had a couple weeks to really get away from the team a little bit, it felt like he coached this year just tight, right? Like when he sure. came in and he replaced Ryan Saunders or whatever, it was like, well, I don't know, man. I don't even know who's on my team. He literally didn't know because he wasn't playing Jane McDaniels. Yeah. Uh, but he just felt like loose. Like, yeah, we're just going to throw some shit at a wall. We're going to try this. We're going to – I remember he had a couple really cool, like, late game ATO Wancho. plays. Yeah, exactly. So he was doing some cool stuff. And this year, I don't know if it was just the – if he too felt the pressure or the expectations. It didn't seem like he was as loose of a coach. Uh, I also wonder, too, when I was – the Wolves were playing the Nuggets in the playoffs and we would get the handouts – from PR that had all the stats and stuff. It seemed like the Nuggets had 14 assistant coaches and the Wolves had like Micah Nori and Pablo Prigioni. So I don't know if more assistance might help, but it will be interesting. And I think if he had to work on something, it would be just an ability to, to adjust. Um, Like I'm watching that Knicks heat series and I just, I don't as good of a coach as Tibbs is. It seems like they continue to go square peg round hole with how they're trying to match up with Spolster and the heat. And you're seeing now, especially in the second round, the first round's its own beast, but second round, third round finals, coaching really matters. Like the best coaches are making weird adjustments. You know, Kerr was starting pool. They're doing all this stuff. And I think that is like, can you, do you have the autonomy now moving forward? You know, you got rid of D'Angelo Russell. You don't have to worry about the politics there. Can you just feel these are the five guys I know will give me the best chance to close this game and do it and not have to worry about what you traded for Gobert or what Carl said, just can you coach the guys you have and they'll listen to you. And I think they do really like Finch and that's why I'm a Finch guy, but in-game adjustments and the ability to kind of change his philosophy on the fly would be, cause I think he's a really smart coach and I don't think he showed that as much this year as he did in the first two years. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with that a hundred percent. Yeah. That that's is part of the challenge. I guess I was kind of focusing more on the structure and skewing away from the, you know, the, the player and personalities and tightening screws sort of stuff that it, you're right to be fair, particularly with Kat and Rudy. And I think what we will see next season is at times in certain matchups, like you won't play both of the bigs or it'll be the smartest to not do it or not close games and how Finch is able to manage that, uh, between those two big guys and Kyle Anderson in the mix, whatever, uh, that that is that is part of it too, and then just to the corner three thing, like, uh, yeah, you just got to tell Carl he's going to have to do that sometimes. Though I do think it is worth noting, 
that Carl has never shot many corner threes in his career. And I was looking it up before this, and where is it? Carl, this this is his three-point percentage from the corner the last three seasons. 28%, 34.4%, and this season, 17.6%. He has not been a good three-point shooter either for a while here. Now, it's, for his career, it's 40% from the corner, but that that is a coaching thing too and then getting him to feel comfortable in that and not feeling like you're PJ Tucker but you are in the position that PJ Tucker hangs out at sometimes right like um it does need to be a greater part of the offense and simultaneously he needs to not waste cat right like that's a balance and that's a coaching thing this, wow, we're gonna get real high level basketball here. Do you think that's because he has big feet and it's tight in the corner? I mean, it just, are there are like it'd be interesting if not on the fly here, but like to see like what Brooke Lopez's uh corner three percentages is because I mean, it's a tight spot over there and he's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I do thought about that. I've, I've been you know banging the drum that I think Carl, any game he plays and puts on a jersey, he should have eight three point attempts no matter what. Um, put him in the corner, I don't know, you can. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it opens you up a little bit more. That's a deeper spot in the court for him to get back in transition compared to like, you know, above the break threes or at just kind of at the top. But you got Brooke Lopez's. Yeah. Can you tell from my threes? Face? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 41%, 50%, 40% the last three All right, So years. the shoe theory, <laughs> big feet are not why he should. That's, that's incredible, though, to think that his outside shot is truly one of the things that has always set him apart from his contemporaries. And to be shooting 18% from the corner, there's... That's like something that they they should be discussing in the next <laughs> meeting at Mayo Clinic Square. Uh, uh, should we jump on? Uh, yeah, something let, else. I was gonna. So let's. Um, we kind of summed up all that. Uh, let's. That was kind of the Chris Finch talk. So thanks for coming. Um, let's talk about Mike Conley in the point guard position a little bit because I have. There's something that you said to me when I was back last time that I want to get into, but point guard position in general, we've really hammered Ant, we've really had Jaden, we've talked about the target centers, we've talked about the coach, we've talked about the front office, we haven't really talked about the point guard position. Um, so first things first, what percent chance is there, this is from Cole Schusler on Twitter, what percent chance is there that Mike Conley is on this team after the trade deadline in February 2024? Could it be similar to the Delo situation and that they're trying to keep that 25-ish million dollars on the books? Uh, and kind of just having a stopgap point guard no. moving forward. And he said, I've, I've loved Mike in Minnesota. Yeah, no, I mean, that was a unique thing. And I hopefully a lot of people listen to this, listen to when we talked about the D-Lo salary slot thing. I'm not going to go all the way into that. Uh, again, the Wolves had this, had this weird bubble, literally for this summer, um, where they were going to be a cap space team. And or they, they were would have had some cap space, uh, if Dilo would have just walked and there was, but not like a $25 million worth of $25, $30 million worth of cap space. So there was this idea that there was some value in trading Dilo for a player who was under contract more long-term beyond this season, just so as to maintain uh, that salary slot. Mike is under contract for next season for like 24 million or whatever it is. Um, but that, that goes away. That was like an isolated incident and not to mention like, I mean, unless Conley signs for super cheap the year after that, like the Wolves are just going to have no money to be able uh, to spend. So that kind of ties into the point guard position overall, though, too. And 
what is the long-term plan here? Mike Conley is the plan for next season, uh, presumably. And then it's, you know, what do you do when Cat, Jaden, and Ant all receive between 15 to $25 million raises in a couple years and Mike Conley gets older and his contract expires? What do you do at the point guard position? Um, that's not necessarily a this summer question, but it's an important one, uh, big picture. Ideally, you know, I guess if you had like a first round pick, you'd be like, maybe we should draft a draft a point guard, like, and maybe it's that that guy takes it on in a couple years. But the Wolves are in a weird spot there. Um, and to me, it almost just forces your hand in two years to be like point ant. <laughs> I I just think that's the direction you go. And now that you wouldn't have another point guard on the roster, maybe even start one, but uh, a, a cheaper guy that you would get for like the mid-level or or something like that. I think I think Mike Conley will be the most expensive point guard that the Timberwolves have for a long time, if that makes sense. I'm going to put a pin in point ant because I want to bring that up in a second. But uh, I got to shout out our friend Andrew Carlson because he had a, a good one that locals will love. But he said, Trey Jones for the mid-level exception, who says no, is backup point guard where you see the front office going with the mid-level exception. Like a massive hole with Conley's health. Uh, also, too, I noticed like perusing on Spot Track or something. I think Jordan McLaughlin's contract is fully guaranteed on June 30th. So right now, he's like not fully guaranteed for next yeah, year, a team, right? So that team option, yeah. So they can choose on that. Yep. By the end. Um, of and then Gremlin just went to the other Jones brother and said, "Will the Wolves go after Tyus Jones this offseason?" So either Jones brother uh, makes sense to you to bring back. Uh, to the wolves and, and pair next to ant that would be more of a long-term kind of scenario yeah I, i'll do the trey jones one first like <clears throat> assuming the the question he says trey jones for the mid-level exception who would say no like if the wolves offered trey jones that yeah. 12 and a half million dollar thing would san antonio match trey jones is a restricted free agent and i think to me i think it's a situation where they both would say no I don't think the wool I don't think Trey Jones for twelve and a half million makes sense for the Wolves or for the Spurs. Maybe more so for the Spurs because right. they got some more money. Um but I don't know, man. You gotta feel pretty confident about a play a point guard being a starting caliber point guard if you're gonna be paying him twelve plus million a year, I think. And I don't think I'm there on Trey yet. Now there are some examples of players getting more than $12 million, his brother, uh, who, you know, deserve that and have kind of proven that, that Tyus has been very valuable for them. They offered him the the mid-level three years or four years ago, and that worked out so well that they offered him a two-year $30 million contract, and they were seemingly comfortable with with offering that and, and giving that to him. I, I don't know. I... I'd be more inclined to be like Tyus in a year once his contract expires, whatever his number is, um, versus committing to Trey now, who was younger. But I, I don't know. I, I think Tyus is the better of the Jones brothers uh, yeah. by a pretty wide margin, for in my opinion, uh, at, at this point. And you know, they're also like pretty different players uh, in a lot of ways too. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It might be something like that type of caliber of player a year from now. I just don't think you need to go get 
I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't need to go get your point guard of the future right now when you have Mike Conley on the books. Uh, can I? So we've done about three hours now of two mailbags, and we haven't actually talked about my favorite topic. Can we? Can we hop into that? Or you have any? Sure. No, that's good. Final thoughts on point guards. Uh, so you know, it was disappointing today that Jane didn't get all defensive team and stuff. But I, I do feel like my son has has come up long enough now that everyone knows him and appreciates him. So I'm I'm kind of letting him graduate. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in my free time these last three weeks at the gym, at work, at home. I, I think about Nikhil Alexander Walker a lot. Like I, just, like he really came in and like impressed the hell out of me. And he fits everything I want. And it can fit a variety of different topics. If you really embrace point ant down the road, you still need a, a, a guard next to him, right? I think Nikhil is a perfect fit. If if his shot can maybe not be on those, he was shooting what, 65% in his first week here. I think you're shooting negative 65% his next week, but if it can balance out and be respectable, remember when, and this is this, I might be combining too many topics, but remember when I was back and you said the thing the wolves need to do, like their top priority after they re-sign everyone is finding their next Kyle Anderson. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's Nikhil, but there was enough times where it felt like Nikhil showed playmaking that I didn't know he had. He clearly showed a defensive ability that I don't think I knew he had against Jamal Murray. Um, I'm not trying to say Nikhil is like Kyle Anderson 2.0 because he's not by any means, but when I watch Draymond Green and what he does for that Warriors team or Marcus Smart does for his team and being like a five-tool guy that can defend, can hit a shot, can set up the offense, can rebound, uh, I'm as much as I want Nas Reed to re-sign here, I am like equally in two, three short months like, believing that Nikhil Alexander Walker is like a pretty imperative piece of what this team should be trying to do moving forward. Yeah, no, I mean, I am the, the hardest part is like I have no idea what his market is. I said like I we we talked about this at the beginning of part 1 where I'm like, oh, I don't know, like Nas like 12, Nikhil like 6. I have no idea if that's way yeah. too low uh, right. on Nikhil. Like I remember having a uh, a conversation with and it, this is weird, but it was it was about Jalen Noel at the beginning of the season when Jalen Noel was he started you know first ten games of the year was really hot and it was like what do you think Jalen Noel's gonna get and I I came into uh, I came I was like I came into the season thinking like uh, the taxpayer mid level type things was like six million which is what like some bench like John Conchar got a four year. $24 million thing. And Dean Wade got that same type of deal last summer, like eighth man, ninth man type stuff. Uh, and I was like, Oh yeah, maybe like that was, I was looking through the market. I'm like, that's like what I thought of for Jalen Noel. I think, unfortunately, I think he played himself out of that maybe to some extent, but I wonder if that's the range that Nikhil is in. That's why I say six on that. And the price point I think is, is super important. Because if it is if it is six, I give him four twenty five tomorrow. I, I would I would think mm -hmm. that'd be a to your point. I think not a huge sample size, but a pretty meaningful one. We saw a really important player there. Now, it's not a great free agent market. A lot of teams do have that mid level exception that they can you know kind of throw around. Can a team get up to? Eight figures, ten million a year for Nikhil Alexander Walker. 
And once again, when we're talking about like, oh, it's only four million difference, that matters. Yeah, it matters. Yeah. And so that, like, I guess I'm, I'm setting up the letdown, but like, <laughs> if the number is that big, it's like, I guess what, there is a number where it's like, maybe this doesn't make sense to the Wolves, given how expensive the rest of the roster is and is going to become. But I, I, I would go given his age. You know, give him as many the the four years that that you can, and and plug him into that that young core that you talked about. Like particularly, if Nas is going to be gone, like you want a third guy in his early twenties next to Ant and Jaden coming up with them, and and if it can't be Nas, then I think that only that only ups your need to get Nikhil. And if you don't have Nas, you have more money that you can spend, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and- yeah, I'm with it. And again, the one key difference, as as many people know, is that Nas is unrestricted, you know, yes. completely free when free agency starts this summer. Uh, Nikhil is a restricted free agent, so the Wolves kind of have much more leverage, much more negotiation power. Any other team Sam's- can offer him whatever they want, and the Wolves have the right of first refusal, which means they can match the contract. Yeah. Uh, Sam, going back to player comps, Sam Smith, 55, kind of had a good one. He's like yeah, trying to comp one. Nah is D'Anthony Melton. A decent proxy, better with guards and wings, and a sporadic jumper with some creative juice. Uh, I kind of like that. And I also kind of like Dan- or D'Anthony Melton. So, yeah, I meant uh, to go like look around to find other ones, but then I was just like looking at the question. I'm like, no, I think D'Anthony Melton's just like a, a pretty good answer there, with the idea that maybe there's some more upside through that. Whatever the jumper becomes more consistently, and Nikhil has has game off the bounce, right? And what he struggled with earlier on in his career when he was playing more point guard playmaker was he was a little too audacious with his passes. Turnover numbers were high, that sort of thing. But it's not inconceivable that a lot of that stuff could be ironed out and he could be, you know, a a player above that level though. But to the D'Anthony Melton point, like didn't the Sixers give up a first for him last year? Was a part of that? I mean, it was, it wasn't like they didn't just sign it. Like they gave up, something fairly meaningful. I, I wonder I wonder if other teams will, particularly because it happened in the play-in and the playoffs and high leverage time, will be like, yeah, that, that significantly changed what we would be willing to offer Nikhil Alexander-Walker um, in, in free agency this summer. I, I'm fascinated which, by his market. Which would be ironic, too, because, and Nikhil said this, I think, to you and in post-game scrums, like, the Wolves low-key saved his career <laughs> by freeing him from Utah and like giving him a role and being in a playoff situation where he was one of the best defenders in the league. Um, but like in one, you know, one of the best defenders in what he does, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he does. And we've talked now about, I mentioned Jordan McLaughlin's contract situation and Mike Conley and maybe a point and, and now Nikhil, like the only other guy you throw in there when you think about running it back is like, you know, Wendell Moore jr. Is very much on the roster. He was, he was not a part of the team in his rookie year. I think we kind of look at him and Josh Minot like we always looked at Jarrett Culver and Jalen Noel or Jar- Jarrett Culver and Nas Reed. Or we just kind of – Josh was the first-round pick and Wendell was the second. But he's also going to get his op- – I mean, we'll, we'll know what Wendell Moore is and what his development was like in Iowa these last 12 months in, in July when we go to Summer League. But, you know, that was, that was your first-round pick. Yeah. And if at bare minimum, like that's, you know, your backup point guard or, you know, alongside kind of doing what Jordan McLaughlin did. Um, that's a big thing that we don't talk about at all right. because he didn't do anything. But it's also like we got to remember that it's 
it was your first round pick. It's a big deal. You can't just not ever play him. So um, do you, do you just want to hop into that? There's a couple miscellaneous ones that are kind of fun as we close this. Do you have any specific ones you like? There's one that made me laugh out loud, but. Yeah, we could do that. I don't know what the laugh out loud one is. Yeah, I, I, this was, this we, we rambled excellent. so much. There, there were there were a ton of good questions. I feel bad we're just not going to. We'll do this uh, again too around free agency and, oh, and sure. the draft and stuff because um, it's really fun. And like I said, we had to peruse through hundreds of questions. Uh, but our friend, Katie Davidson, because this is kind of topical. Oh. <laughs> uh, Katie Davidson had a good uh, question. She goes, how high would D'Angelo Russell have soared in Minnesota had he not been held back? Uh, repeat all-star, all-NBA? Playable in an elimination game against the Grizzlies. <laughs> I'll defer to you. Yeah, I mean, this is just the you know good for D'Lo, uh, uh, it, but it is the D'Lo experience of. It's so funny. He's the guy who coined at least here, never too high, never too low, and he <laughs> is like in terms of production, the the quintessential example of too high or too low in terms of what he's doing. It's it's uh, inconsistent and. Uh, it falls into the the role he's fallen into on that team allows for that, right? Like there isn't the reliance on him that if it's a low time that you, you know, that it hurts as bad. They have different options they can go to. They can, you know, initiate the offense with Reeves or LeBron or, or whatever. And, and that's what I just, I, yeah. I mean, I just think that's the future for D'Lo is given his volatility, he, the best spot for him is a team that enables that volatility. The the Wolves, you know, back in the Rosas days, he was not acquired to be a volatile player, um, and he proved to be. And then he had, then things got weird with Rosas getting fired and him not getting an extension and money talks and everything gets complicated. And it it was just a it was a bizarre sort of thing existence with him on on the team this season not all that different to I mean he was way better than Jeff Teague was in his last year but I mean it was like the same thing right where for these guys when they know they're not going to be back and they're trying to get paid it's weird and um I think you know good for him I know a lot of Wolves I had a good relationship with him but I know a lot of Wolves fans found it (laughs) frustrating uh, I think they find those quotes, understandably, uh, to be really frustrating because in a lot of ways, it felt like the lows were D'Lo's fault, too. Um, and I don't know. It's it's always a weird experience, he, right? Watching these former Wolves in the playoffs kind of find their groove. But it's about when it's a role player, it's about finding a system that fits your role. And it wasn't here. Well, you said you said Nikhil's free agency is going to be fascinating. I'll give you time. Text me later. Find me one person that has a more interesting free agency than D'Angelo Russell. Right. Right. Yeah. Because as soon as those quotes came out at the athletic, uh, and again, he was on a high, he shot one for 10 against last night against the Warriors right. and they closed with Lonnie Walker. So never too high, never too D'Lo. Um, but it was a good question from Katie. So one more because we really talked about everyone. I mean, I guess we mentioned Kyle Anderson a little bit. He's under contract next year. I'd be shocked if he's not here, right? We mentioned Torian Prince, Jordan McGoff. We went through the whole roster. So um, this isn't really a, this is from at Kyle Tiggy on Twitter. Uh, just Josh Minot. Like, do you, <laughs> we had like a 40 questions about what do you think his role will be? Do you think he'll be a rotation player? I think it's too early to know because not because I don't think Josh is capable of doing it. But again, if if they run it back like and everyone's healthy. Kyle Anderson, who was an awesome starter 
alongside Rudy this year isn't even going to start. Like I was thinking, oh, Nikhil, sixth man of the year. He's not even the sixth man. He's behind Kyle as the seventh man. And now this roster is like, I've literally just given Nas. you 10 man rotation yeah. <laughs> and Josh isn't a part of it. So I don't know what his role will be next season, but I, I really truly jokes aside, I'm excited to see him. I hope he gets four good games in Vegas for that week. Yeah. And they really just emphasize him. They don't have a first round pick. So that's kind of your guy to market and sell. Uh, yeah, he'll be the first-round pick, right? Like, he will yep. be the first-round pick next year. Um, and and it's really important. We kind of have joking about Wendell Moore Jr., but, like, when you don't have draft picks, right, you need to create assets otherwise so as to be able to make trades. And, yep. and you know, with Wendell Moore, I'll start with there, like, he might be a trade asset at some point. Maybe some team that had a higher draft grade on him, they ignore the like 74 minutes he played this year, and they're like, we think we can get something more out of him. Maybe he's a trade asset in that sort of way. Um, and then maybe with Minot, he makes someone else expendable, right? If he shows you something in his, you know, red shirt rookie year, right? like this coming season then maybe you are able to more comfortably move on from a Torian Prince a year from now, or even a you know, Kyle Anderson only has one more year left on the books. Like it's critical to make those guys something so that they can be traded or that they allow you to trade someone else or create, you know, I mean, Minot's contract is insane. When we're talking about all these this up. numbers, like, Josh Minot made $1.02 million this year, which is about half the veteran minimum. Then he's set for 1.7 the year after or this coming year, 2.02 the year after that, and 2.2 the year after. I mean, if you can turn that into a rotation player like you did with Nas, and you can get it so he's meaningfully in your rotation prior to year four, that is a huge win. That is a huge win to be huge. having a player who literally makes 1% of the salary cap taking up a 21-minute-a-night role. That that would be uh, massive. So I think, and, yes, when it's going to be hard to contain you at Summer League, I'm sure. And, and didn't they, too, I mean, they, they obviously didn't play him this season because they didn't have any space even when they got down some injuries. But when they signed him last year as a second-round pick, didn't they dip into like their mid-level? Yeah, at the time or something. So, I mean, they clearly thought of him as a long-term piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm with you. And when you said turn him into a rotation player, you meant actually like developing a rotation player for this team, not like turning him into yeah, yeah, an yeah, asset yeah, you yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yes. Just want to clarify. Um, I don't know about you, but did I, I tell you I I explained the lawnmower thing to him? Oh no! Did you, did you show him that photo where like the mowers? Yeah. Head... Oh, were you there with me? I forgot about you. Were, I think you maybe you were there. Yeah, okay. yeah, yes, yes. I was like, because he tweeted that one time, but like you guys call me the lawnmower or whatever. I'm like, that was your quote. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, somebody, somebody explained. So he's, he's quasi on board with the, the lawnmower, a, lawnmower nickname. At least we won't have, uh, he's already got a better nickname than anything we came up with for Jaden. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I thought this whole experience, we've done it now for almost three and a half hours. We're still remotely on time. Um, was really great. We have to do another one. Uh, I think that's about all the basketball I can yeah. like discuss right now, but I did. Can I close with that last one? I've always wanted to do this. So, Thank you for listening to three and a half hours of basketball. We're going to do one final question here that you and I talk about way more behind the scenes than when we're talking to each other. But um, 
I think it's important again because as we get into this and we're going to keep doing podcasts, Dane's got me on retainer all all summer. So we're going to keep pumping out pods. We're going to, we had some cool projects we want to debut this summer. I don't think you're going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to keep leveling this up. But uh, I do get questions from time to time. This one's from Perry Winkle, one, two, six, seven. I don't know if it was on Twitter or an aim, but uh, how did you get started uh, writing and podcasting for the Minnesota Timberwolves? You want to go first? Uh, yours is way more cool and you're way bigger of a deal. So why don't you go first and I'll sprinkle in some at the end. Um, sure. I should have prepared this. Um, well, okay. I'll steal it. I'll steal it then. Okay. You and I started blogging yeah, at the same time. Say, yeah. I, I, my story is pretty condensed, but I moved out to Oregon and I was feeling kind of lonely. I wanted to stay connected to friends and community. So I reached out to John Meyer and a couple other people at Canis and gave me an opportunity and I just started blogging and I was terrible. Um, but I got reps and I think reps are really important in anything. You know, if you want to cover the team and you like to write, go write. I mean, Canis is always bringing on new staff. If you like to podcast, just start a podcast. It doesn't matter your stats, really, right? It, totally. Pretend it's like the G League. Don't worry about views. Don't worry about listens. Don't worry about ads or anything. Just get reps speaking or writing. Um, I've always said this is a side thing for me. I'm, I'm gracious to you. This is a full-time thing for you, which is also like why yours is cooler because you <laughs> make a living doing it. But uh, I also can't stress enough that just doing this on the side can be spun and parlayed into ways that actually help you in whatever career you you have chosen or whatever you've gone to school for. I mean, being good at publicly speaking is important or being good at, you know, written communication is really important, uh, especially with AI coming and it's coming for all of us anyway. So I, I highly encourage, I don't think there's enough people covering the Timberwolves. I, I, I try to listen to other podcasts that are out there. I try to read everyone's stuff at Canis or Duncan with Wolves or any of that stuff. So um, just get reps, like throw yourself out there, you know, reach out to Dane or I, if you have questions, but I think covering basketball is really cool and it's taught me a lot of things. And more importantly, it's allowed me to make some really cool friendships like with Dane or with Phil or with Mike or Jack, all those guys. So just, just get started. Don't think about it. Don't think about likes. Don't think about retweets. Don't think about anything. Just get reps, express what you know, find your own niche. Don't steal people's content. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll try to promote you as best as I can because I really want the next generation of Wolves Twitter to be as good, if not better, than what you and I have grown up. 100%. Yeah, and I echo the the people part. That's the thing I, I, I say all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, when I got into this, it wasn't necess- it wasn't with the intention, like you, of like making it be uh, a full-time job. I was at a point in my life where I had like just decided I wasn't going to go to law school and I had always kind of been a person who had little like side hustle type of things. And right before I started writing at Canis also, um, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go to law school. And I'd been like, take the LSAT and all all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't want to do that. What is going to be my side hustle thing this year? I wrote for the school paper in college and I was like, okay, you know, that's something I kind of liked. You know, basketball was, you know, my, my favorite sport. My, that was reading and listening to podcasts all the time back then. And I was like, I'd love to do that uh, for the Wolves. And so, yeah, there's a 2016, 17 season. I wrote at Canis for the first time. Uh, That was Tibbs's first year, but I was literally uh, the, 
well, I, I wasn't in my mom's basement. I, I had my own apartment, but I was the, the proverbial, you know, writing uh, on my laptop at my at my home. I didn't have access. I wasn't obviously at games or anything. I had no Twitter following or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like like I I think a big part of it for me and and for you was committing to it. And, yep. and even then yep. when I had no like illusions of making any money or anything doing it, I was like, no, this is what I'm doing for this season. I'm going to write a weekly column. I'm going to do game recaps and previews and stuff like that for Canis and really just like committing to doing it. And it was something that fit in my life at that time. I didn't know if it would be a, a long-term thing, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, writing in general in life is a way to really hone your ideas. It's very different than mm-hmm. podcasting, um, the, the whole editing process of it. And I think writing for a year, writing a lot, made me a smarter basketball viewer, and I totally got hooked. Um, and I got a couple of like freelance, like literally like $10 an article opportunities around and asked my mom. It was the dumbest financial decision I, I ever made. I, I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to try and see what I can make money wise with this. I sold my car so I could pay for rent, learned how to ride the bus. And uh, yeah, just, just did it for a year. And in, in that year, I did have um, like a partial credential, which I always say to if I've talked at schools or kids have emailed me, I'd say like, that's the most important thing to aim at is, is getting a credential, which you can, you know, writing at a blog as again, mm-hmm. as, as we both did, the first games we ever covered were for Canis Hoopus uh, at one, in one of the media seats there. I had a more consistent credential available through my freelance job uh, with zone coverage. And I just kind of, again, committed all into that as being my, full-time job, even though I'm certainly not making uh, full-time money and uh, maybe like stuck with that very cheap lifestyle uh, for, for a little too long until it eventually did turn into, uh, sorry, this is getting a little long-winded, but got, became a quote-unquote full-time job at the start of 2020 uh, after writing for a couple years on like, again, freelance, whatever sort of thing. And then COVID happens in March of 2020 and I uh, got laid off. But at that point, I like, I knew it's what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted, I wanted it to be what I was going to do. And actually that, that's when you and I got pretty close and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you were talking to me about it and it was COVID. We couldn't really go anywhere. Like it didn't matter if you had access or not, cause you couldn't go to the games or there were, there weren't games. Um, and I kind of made the plan to, go all in with the podcast that I uh, took for my time at Zone Coverage. And I was like, all right, like, I'm going to see if I do daily podcasting, if I can make money uh, doing this. And I was like, oh, I'll freelance right on top of it. And hopefully it'll be, the, the pennies will stack up to be as much as the pile of pennies I was making uh, previously. And um that was the best decision, best professional decision uh, I ever made um, because 
through doing that, um, I was able to start my own, obviously very small media company, but uh, that hosts this this podcast, partner with Blue Wire uh, to make more money with advertisements and that sort of thing. And yeah, I mean, it's just certainly been a grind and actually now been a lot of uh, a lot of years of it, but it's been, yeah, it's been one of the coolest things that I've been able to do, uh, not only in that it's something I enjoy to do, but that it's, uh, it's introduced me to people and a, a lifestyle that really, you know, fits me and I think fits my skill set. So we both like aren't journalism <laughs> school kids. We talk about this all the time. Uh, <laughs> we went to I business school um, and being able to both of us, I mean, you do a lot of the, the back end business stuff with me with this, with the show as well. Like being able to tap into our interest of basketball, our enjoyment of writing, but also um, our enjoyment of business and building something. Uh, it's been, yeah, that's the Cliff Notes version of of where this started, and uh, you know, hopefully, the beginning of where it's going to go. Do you plan on covering the Timberwolves next season? Yes, I plan on covering this. I like. Oh, I wish you would have said that's that's the plan because that would have been the most ah. timely answer ever. <laughs> Uh, no, no. One last thing, just to put a bow on it. But yeah, that consistency part is the key. Uh, you know, it, it's not always easy to to record a podcast or write. But um, the one thing I've learned, I always think about Cooper Carlson too, who does a YouTube channel after every game. Uh, when the Wolves lose their sixth game in a row, or it's New Year's Eve and they lose to the Pistons, they have a players only meeting. You you don't want to cover the team. But that's actually when sickos like me and a lot of other sickos listening to this want the content more than ever. Uh, I famously. Wrote a blog post the morning of my wedding. Uh, surprised that the wedding happened, but people. And the only reason I wanted to even hit that question and wrap it up is that I I I do this because I really enjoy entertaining people or giving them a distraction or making you laugh or making you mad. I don't know. Um, but I think Wolf's Twitter is really really cool, and I think there's a lot of talented people out there that just don't know sometimes where to start. And don't worry about anything else other than just starting. Just throw your thoughts out there. Like I said, we'll try to promote you as best as we can. Um, and. I really mean this. I try to be self-deprecating, but if I can do it, <laughs> anyone can do it. So uh, I, we appreciate everyone listening. I know I speak for you as well. Um, and we're excited because moving forward, we are very much, yes, committed to this franchise. And we have some cool stuff to to drop and debut this summer. And it'll be it'll be media day before you know it. It will be. We were saying before this episode, it's less than less than two months till we'll be in Vegas for for summer league like it. That that's a funny part about the the quote unquote job, I guess not quote unquote, but it's like my friends are like, oh, you have like the seasons off, or my friends are like, oh, are you going on vacation? I'm like, no, I'm still doing podcasts about the playoffs and and that sort of thing. But it's a, uh, I guess the person put grind in the topic or the question, but it's a uh, it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good type of grind. I told you that when I was back in this game four, I was like, oh, this I'm I need this season to be done. I need a break from this team. And then 48 hours later, I just woke up and I'm like, there I am YouTubing Matteo Spagnolo highlights. And I'm like, oh man, I'm really in this. I'm really a sicko. <laughs> so uh no, those two two good mailbags, you and I will have more stuff coming up and cool pods and stuff. And we'll also be monitoring, like you said, Nas Reed, the the lottery is a week from I think today. Yeah. Uh and then that'll tip off the draft order and all that stuff in free agency and a crazy summer of trades and it's going to be fun, but thanks for having me on as always. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be on top of it. And, and I'm, and I'm loving just the NBA playoffs uh, in general and appreciate the many of you still, or 
listened to last week when me and Britt talked about the Wolves zero and uh, and just dug into the NBA playoffs. I mean, there are Wolves topics to hit on. We will from time to time, like we would have done a Jade McDaniels episode today if we weren't already doing the mailbag. Like that's when Wolves stuff uh, will come up on the pod feed. But um, Britt and I on Thursday are tentatively planning on uh, digging into these these playoffs again, which, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm enjoying watching every night or the next morning when I, like, I haven't even, <laughs> I fell asleep in the like second quarter of the Lakers game yesterday. So I know Lonnie Walker did something, uh, just from like Instagram, but, uh, I, you know, we'll keep talking about the, these playoffs, uh, because, you know, I'm watching them anyways and, and digging into them. So Kyle, thank you. You've done two podcasts with me today. I appreciate it. Uh, you can also, as always, listen to Kyle. Pretty watch his face on on YouTube at at Flagrant at Flagrant Hollows with uh, with Phil Mackey at Score North. He's Kyle Tiggy at Kyle Tiggy on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA until Thursday with Britt. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, I'm Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League As a player, you don't have time to talk You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. (laughs) Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.